0: of the Star Trek CCG. And now, here's your host, Daniel Madison. Thank you, Allison Cagle, and thanks everyone for joining me today. Welcome to Assimilate This, Episode 6, and welcome to Regional Season. I'm really excited about this year. We're, we're going to have a big season, and I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a show, so... I want to cover a couple of tournaments that we had recently. Um, we just finished up our league here in uh, here in Palm Bay. Um, we ran our tin draft uh, a few weeks back, and that was a lot of fun as expected. But it was exhausting. The draft just took forever, and uh, I don't know if we would if we would do it again. We probably. Uh, probably make some changes to speed it up the next time. Um, we had six players and I placed third going two and one with a Klingon deck. I had the Klingon starter and I lucked out. Um, in the virtual packs, I managed to get officer exchange program. So I was able to throw that in that made the deck a lot more fun, a lot more powerful. Um, I only lost to Sean O'Reilly who was uh playing Romulans with chess game and he, he won the event. Um the other Romulan player uh placed last with Romulan Underground, so we can confirm uh the the same thing that happened at the Tin Draft in, in San Diego that the Romulan Underground is is just not good. Uh when you're drafting Premier, and so if we were to do this again, we would take that out. Um, I'll tell you, the star of my deck was, believe it or not, it was the Targ from Alternate Universe, because it's an animal. And that Targ got me through Do You Smell Something Burning? twice during the draft, uh, during the uh, the, the matches. Um, In fact, I can think of one specific time where it saved my crew Um, when I was playing Sean um, I got the targ got me through do you smell something burning he had an alien parasites lined up after it and if he had gotten that to hit and taken my ship or taken control of my ship he had an auto destruct sequence in hand so uh, I didn't win that match but that was a very key play Um, two weeks ago we finished off our league season with a second edition event, and Sean won that one as well um, and uh, Alex Taylor won uh, triples for that for that day that was also a league event um, I placed third in the two e I was playing a Grimal deck the uh, ambitious Cardassians uh, with a really big deck and uh, I yeah, I went two and one on that one. I uh, same thing actually. I lost to Sean and and won two other matches. Um, and Sean was the winner of the league championship. So congratulations to Sean O'Reilly. Um, as you know, regional season is starting off. We are the, the season starts April sixth, which is this Saturday. And our first edition regional is this Saturday on the 6th. We are opening regionals with a 1E event. Um, Last year was our first regional event. It was actually the first local tournament that I ran. So this is our second annual, so I'm really excited. Uh, Last year, uh, Sean won our event, and it was a block-sealed event. Uh, This year we're going to go constructed, so we'll see what happens. We've got at least six players lined up uh, for this event. And then the following day, Sunday, uh, on the 7th, the 2nd Edition Regional is taking place in Orlando. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to make it out to that one. That one looks like it's going to have a good turnout as well. second edition player and tournament director from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's known on the forums as Lore. Uh, he has, as of this recording, he has a 2E rating of 1853, and he is ranked ninth. Uh, welcome, Chris be Good to have you here.
1: Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
0: Um, now, you made an appearance on Charlie Plain's podcast a couple of years ago uh, in case some listeners missed it or are newer to the game um can you bring us up to speed just tell us a little bit about your history with the game
1: um i've been playing since uh around q continuum i got some packs from a friend for my birthday and we were pretty much hooked uh from that point on um played a lot through the minneapolis area with uh, fellow big goodbye members tbg uh, mike harrington Nat Curtin, and then we uh, actually drafted in an Iowan, Dan Bell. And a lot of people who know their first edition history will know those three or four names because uh, probably hit our, our highlights when we, we won the team championships a couple times. Uh, Mike won Worlds during our heyday, and over a three-year period, I won Continentals, and Dan won on either side of me. So all that kind of happened between Gen Con, Decipher Con, Late 90s, early 2000s. And, uh, yeah, after that point, picked it all up with 2nd Edition um, by way of some strong-arming from a couple of the Cypher employees at the time, Kyle Hoyer, <laughs> uh, Brad, Brad fruiter as everybody knows. Um, yep. They got us involved in testing, and, um, you know, for the most part, just kind of went from there. We've been playing ever since.
0: Awesome. Uh, so... So you've been with One E for a long time, and you've been with Two E pretty much from the beginning. Um, uh, so how are uh, you're you're in a, a, a pretty large play group uh, as as play groups go uh, by by comparison. Um, how are things uh, the last year or so in your your play group? You have a pretty good attendance.
1: Uh, uh, actually, I think. I think a lot of the time, and, and uh, fellow uh, player up here, Matt Fried, and I have talked about this a lot lately. Um, it seems like we're getting by on reputation. I think people believe that we still have a huge playgroup. As the one of the unofficial uh, ambassadors for our area, I feel like our playgroup has kind of shrunk a little bit, and a lot of that is to be expected. We had a, a pair, a couple, uh, Zach Magnuson and Valerie. Um, I don't even remember her, her last name anymore. It's now a Magnus uh, The two of them were players in our area for the longest time, and I actually ended up setting those two up. They uh, were married, I was the best man, and wow. uh, now I have two kids. So they're not coming out as much. And uh, we've had a little bit of attrition. People uh, who were top players in our area, Caleb Grace, Josh Grace, his brother, uh, some other friends of theirs, they've moved on. They're now working for Fantasy Flights Games, which I think that a lot of your viewers probably or listeners probably know what that company is they run Mm -hmm. some deck building games so so those guys are now doing that uh we still i think by and large probably still have the largest player base just based on how many people we started with but uh yeah i've seen you know personally i've had a couple tournaments this uh this year that were nearly unsanctioned and that had never happened so i would say that yes we do have a big player base and yes we still do have a fairly big player base but it seems like lately we have a little bit of runoff and that's just kind of to be expected when everybody gets older.
0: Yeah, when real life happens, and
1: exactly, it sucks. People get, get busy.
0: <laughs> but yeah, looking at uh, looking at like some of the people in in your uh, your current league, uh, just looking at this list to play, like I recognize a lot of names, um, and you know, it's not it's not like they're people that have an online presence. I mean, some of them do, but like. There are world champions in here. There are continental champions in here. Uh, so,
1: national champions. I think
0: national champions. champions. Uh, I won that. I, I don't know everyone everyone's record specifically, but uh, when you do have a good turnout, um, is it uh, is it really competitive there? What's the environment like?
1: I would say it's kind of the best of both worlds. We have a lot of very good, very competitive players. But a lot of it is very good-natured at the same time. Um, as, as some of you may have known, I ran what I called the unofficial World Championships uh, here, and I had done that two years ago as well when Worlds was also overseas. Uh, this was called the NWO World Championships, as we talked about a little bit, uh, you know, spin-off of the wrestling uh, angle that I seem to constantly shoot. Um, and we drew some players from, from uh, Ohio. Jared Hoffman and Joel Skahn came out. Uh, Alabama Nate, as we call him, Nate Weiniger, came out from mm-hmm. California. He played, and uh, it, I mean, I felt that the tournament itself was probably the most competitive of last year in North America. Uh, you know, people can contend that Continentals is the marquee event at GenCon. I sure, I, I guess I can buy that, but uh, you didn't. To me, Continentals didn't have the density of high level players. I mean, we had three former world champions who were sitting at one table, two playing each other and one playing a continental champion at the same time. And that was like round two of that tournament. I mean, it was a five round event. Uh, We had a final confrontation, something that the CC doesn't do. And that I remember from my old days with the Cypher where, you know, it's great that you could beat me in the regular tournament. Can you beat me again with the title on the line? And we've had countless matches where the winner is whoever lost earlier in the day but figured it out and won in the final. So I would I would say that the competition is for sure some of the best you'll find around, but you are right. There is a lot of uh, zero pre- I, I shouldn't say a lot. There's a lot of players who don't have an online presence. Uh, Mike Harrington doesn't really have an appetite for it. Nat Curtin, it's not really online. Matt Fried is kind of a lurker. Um Kevin Yeager's involved in some of his own things, but generally not around a lot. I think I probably have the biggest presence out of anybody, and that's primarily just due to my occupation. I can be online all day.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I remember that. I, I remember hearing about uh, your 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 event at World's Week World's Weekend, and uh, it, it was a heavily promoted one, and uh, you had a pretty big turnout, as I recall.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I looked that over, and we had we had 24 people in my townhouse, which was kind of ridiculous for Friday night's tournament. We, I mean, we were literally bumping elbows with everybody. Tables lined up. Uh, three, I had 3 card tables lined up in the basement, and there were four games happening on it because we didn't have wow. enough room. <laughs> uh, I actually had to set up the patio outside. Thankfully, I picked the right time of year. September, we were able to play outdoors. We had an outdoor game every every round. Uh, coffee table, kitchen table. Oh, nice! And I had uh, a handful of people who showed up who weren't even interested in Tui who played tribbles like in the bedroom on the bed because there was <laughs> no, no place else to go. But, yeah, that that was ridiculous having that many people in my house at one time. That, um,
0: that's cool. It, it seemed like everyone wanted to play. Uh, worlds weekend because like even even my group i i got 10 people that weekend and my local play group is five so
1: (laughs) yeah well i I think they did didn't they do some achievements or something they did some type of raffle i think you won did you win some foils or something there
0: was a there was a contest going on yes yeah if anyone won an event that weekend uh you could win a set of worlds promos so
1: yeah, that sounds right. I don't. I don't remember exactly. I didn't win. I never win any of those drawings. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So the so the next day, uh, I know we had 24 here for that for the Friday night event, and then I think the Saturday we had uh, 21. Because I I had I know I had to play the first round. We had one player who was late, and then I jumped out of it mm-hmm. and just ran tournaments. And even then. This is kind of a sidebar that I don't know if a lot of people know of, but so you have all these people who are just wailing on each other in this five-round tournament, and I'm kind of laughing because I get to sit on the sidelines and I don't have to play anybody. Yeah. Well, uh, Caleb Grace walks into work at Fantasy Flights and sees that we're running this big tournament, and he mm-hmm. had caught wind that it was happening, and he said, "Chris, uh, you know, I don't want to play in the event, but let's play a practice game." So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here going, "Are you?" <laughs> I'm not even in this tournament, and I have to play against a former world champion. And, of course, he, he won. He beat me sound, soundly. <laughs> I was like, that's great. I'm not even playing in this event, and I have to lose to a world champion. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: Does it get difficult uh, TDing an event when you have that many players?
1: It, it can kind of get hairy. I mean, you kind of have to be a type A personality, be driver, driver. I, I don't have a lot of time to sit and talk to people. I'm primarily coming over to your table to grab your scorecard. What was the score? Write it down. Does that look right? Moving on, because there's so many games that are that are trying to get scored at the same time, and it's always that calm before the storm. You get them paired up, you get them sitting down, and you can probably do whatever you needed to do in that round for 20 minutes, and then you got to be ready to go because you're going to crank through all of the all of the results in fairly short order. And yeah. then of course, you always get the one round that goes to time, so you got 18 people standing around, and that sucks. <laughs> or the end of the day and you're trying to get prizes out to people and you know, there's all, there's there, you, it never ends. You don't sit down when you have that many people.
0: No, I imagine not. Things, things start ending. You got to write down results. And then, uh, as soon as you're done with that, you got to start, you got to be ready to start pairing people up for the next round. So, yep. Um, well you mentioned, uh, uh I guess I mentioned and you continued, uh, that, uh, your group, uh, a lot of your group doesn't have much of an online presence. Uh, you do, and I've noticed uh, lately you've been playing in some more online events. Uh, you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I had never really given online play a lot of thought. Um, Nate Weiniger, who I mentioned earlier, he plays a lot of online because he's got a limited card pool. And from what I understand, that online you didn't need to have physical cards. It was all right. just you know, in, on the program, and um, I've, I've always thought it was a little bit suspect because you got a longer time limit. Um, as you can probably imagine, you're going to have players who are going to play a lot more cutthroat decks because I'm not sitting across from you to punch you in the face if you're playing something that I don't like, um, and I just generally didn't understand how the program worked, and I kind of dip, dip my toe into it with uh, James Hoskins uh, online league last year I tra- I jumped in and played tribbles, um I think twice maybe three times figured out kind of how lackey worked and then you know Nate was in my ear for several months saying you should try Trek online I eventually uh, jumped in in August played three games online lost two of them didn't really have a strong grasp of the format and as as you probably know playing online it's a lot of start and stop which is weird for me as a kind of ebb and flow player where i sit down usually um if i lose a game in a tournament almost always i will lose in the first round mm-hmm. and I, I can't really explain it other than the fact that it takes me a little bit of a while to get into the groove of it and then it i feel like I pick up Steam as I keep playing. Well, you can't do that online. Online, you play your game, you're done for a week or four days or however long it is, and every single round feels like an individual tournament. So it, it it really required an effort on my part after that first rocky start to make a conscious effort of, I play every game that I play online, I sit in the same spot with my laptop, I've got Background music, the same type of background music on. I'm trying to make it as similar to a tournament, you know, trick my brain to feel like I'm playing in the same spot every time. Right, and that seems to have helped a little bit, but. And
0: I know what you mean about that first round loss. I've, I've, I find that happens a lot with me too. It's like you're, you're getting your bearings that first round. You're, you're getting a feel for your deck, and then by the first round, okay, I've got it.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. Every once in a while, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to play a different deck at every tournament. And I've been doing that for about two years. I think right when the achievement system started, I played all 15 in a row. I got that, you know, I'll play all the 15 affiliations. I didn't let myself play anything over again. And that got kind of hairy when you got towards forcing me to play Ferengi and Maquis and some of the affiliations that I'd never tried ever in in 2E. So, yeah, it, it, it it was an interesting um goal to try to play something different every time but for online play after that first start i fell back into some old patterns played some decks i was more familiar with had a little bit of success and uh on, honestly i feel like the online community is poised to really take off i, I feel like i jumped in at right around the right time, you know, trying to get get your feet wet. And now it seems like the leagues are just exploding the online leagues, both 1E and 2E and even Tribbles leagues, it seems like are drawing 10 people. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool for me to, t- as a TD who sees 20 people playing in a tournament live, to uh, be able to share in that experience with. You know, through through the, the online play, to have play in a tournament that's eighteen, twenty people, and you know, it's it's great when you have those conversations with other participants where, okay, I'm two and zero, and you're one and one, and am I going to get paired down? Or are you going to get paired down? Who can I play? You know, you can easily get lost in that in that mix of who you're playing, and obviously, pairings play just as big of a amount of luck as what you draw. If if I avoid sure, the one deck that can beat mine, I might win the tournament. You know, and if I if you play something completely off the wall like i did last month i played that tos cunning deck and i hadn't ever seen him someone trying that with a uh, legendary civilization and a remove from play dilemma pile was totally out of left field i didn't expect to do very well with it but i caught all of my opponents off guard and ended up winning the event you know some can be said that it was based on who i played sometimes you can just say i just picked the right deck for the right day
0: yeah yeah, there's there's a a little bit of a random factor with the on, with the online when you're playing when especially when they have a a big turnout like that and you've got so many people from so many different parts of the world and you get to, you get to play people you never dreamed of playing before.
1: Exactly. And really that's uh, that's why I've done it. I mean, I I understand that my area is kind of reclusive and if I can be a face for my playgroup, I want to put the best foot forward, you know, I'm trying to Trying to uh, repair some of my image, I know I know that I've not necessarily uh, had great um, great encounters with some of the members of the CC and some of the members of the community, and and a big part of me playing online is trying to show, yeah, I have grown up a little bit, yeah, I'm you know I'm as good of a sport as everybody else up here is, and like you said, it's it's terrific for people like me who don't really have an appetite for playing high-level play as far as traveling and doing the convention scene and all that stuff that goes with it to be able to play some of the best across the world and see how you measure up. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, yeah. And like, you know, the, like you said, the league events, um, are getting a large turnout and, uh, there's a few other, uh, tournament directors that are getting their feet wet online and are, are trying some different types of events and, you know, if you want to, the league events are good if you want a straight constructed event. And then we've got sealed events running. We've got the Talos tournaments in 1E. And so, you know, there's a little bit of everything. So, yep. whatever you're yep. looking for, you can probably find a tournament for it online.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I feel like that is where we're eventually headed. I think you'll mm-hmm. be able to find three or four offerings every month, different format, whatever you want to do. One e two e sealed, constructed limited card pool, not limited card pool. I'm and now I think we got that one that uh, Michael is setting up. That's dual HQ only. You know, I mean, I easily yep. think we're going to have a vast array of this stuff going forward. I mean, I'm I'm jumping into the online uh, TD scene here in a couple of weeks, primarily to earn an achievement that I can't seem to earn live. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what is it? The take one for the team. I'm trying to get that. So don't ask me to play in that tournament. I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the, the Talos events have been really fun for me. They're- I got
0: that one on my first event. <laughs> well,
1: good. I, that's awesome. I can't, I can't earn to save my life. It seems like either I uh, either have an odd number or it's a league event and I need the league points or you know I'm playing a deck that'll earn me five achievements so I don't want to try to earn one when I can earn five, you know that type of a deal. I hoped to earn it last year at that big event, and then that, we had that guy miss the first round, so I had to play one round. Yeah. And that disqualified me. But, um,
0: oh, yeah. My, uh, my, fir- my first event was a regional, and, uh, we had seven. And I'm like, well, I feel bad about giving people a buy when they drove for a regional when they drove three hours to get here. So, like and and I, I remember I was trying to talk my girlfriend into playing. I'm like, come on, give us eight, give us eight, and she just wasn't having it.
1: <laughs> well, I, I thankfully I've got a good girlfriend who was who did, who did that actually the same thing on New Year's. We were threat sanction was threatening threatened on New Year's Eve. Uh, we I had two cousins who were going to come and party with us, but they uh, didn't get here in, on time for the tournament. And I and she gets home from work, she hasn't changed or anything. I said, guess what, honey, you're playing. She's like what do you mean? I said here's your deck. He showed her how to play it in like two seconds, and she she was a good sport. She jumped in and got beat up on by uh, a couple of the guys, and yeah, we made our four. But I totally understand what you're coming from. That that's taking one for the team. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I felt like I felt like uh, rogue. I should I should have contacted rogue and said give it to Lillian because she got wailed on. You know, not even prepared to play. Yep. But uh, you mentioned Talos, um, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but that's been a real good um, series. I've ran one locally here with product that I had, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do another one here in March locally. I've got a bunch of Warp Speed or Seal Deck stuff for Voyager and the board. Yeah, I'm going to
0: try that one too.
1: I'm going to try to run it locally um, just to get some more people involved. one E-Constructed terrifies me to this day. Like I, <laughs> I mean, when I, when I gave up on first edition, I didn't really look back. I sold a lot of my cards. Um, I forgot how 90% of the cards worked. And, yeah, if, if you had to if you, if you forced me to play One E-Constructed right now, I'd be humbled in a hurry. I'm sure I'd get shut out every game I played.
0: Well, the thing about that is with... Uh... With the new block sets, is that if you're if you're trying to get back in, or if you're a new player trying to get in, that's a good place to start. Like uh, continuing mission decks are not they're they're not very hard to learn to play. You know, okay. they're they're very straightforward. It's okay. I've got two free plays and I've got two draws a turn, and and you know you don't need to uh, think about think too much about what crazy engines can I put in to make this deck work it's pretty much does it all in one card okay you know so i I would say that's a good place to start and if you you know you just start uh from that point to start studying decks and uh and 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 evolve from there but if if you're just looking to jump in that that that's a pretty good place to go
1: okay well it sounds like i need to either have a Justin uh, Kaufman or Dan Van Camp, and if you're listening to this, go build me a deck and tell me I need to play in your next tournament because they, <laughs> they're, they're, they're our local one e one e tournament directors.
0: Awesome. Okay, so getting back on to second edition, um, I I know that you are, you know, as you, as you said, you're you're more two e player now. Uh, I've noticed a deck name that comes up in your reports frequently. Uh, and uh, I, I want to get this right. Be, uh, for the players that haven't seen it, I want to I make sure I'm, I'm punctuating it correctly. It's K period, R-I period, S period.
1: Yep, and I think the I is lowercase, right? Yes. Yeah, that sounds right.
0: So um, besides the fact that it obviously bears your name, uh, tell me uh, what the letters stand for. Tell me what, what kind of deck this is.
1: Sure. Well, aside from a fashion plate for vanity, which is what it kind of is,
0: <laughs> um,
1: KRIS stands for Klingon Riker Sword, which is the anagram for, uh, obviously, a Klingon deck that's uh, going to earn the Sword of That the As everybody in Minnesota knows, so I'm going to repeat it, it's the easiest space mission in the game, which has got the little TR on the end, the trademark for Investigate Alien Probe. That's what everybody up here calls it, the easiest space mission in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you solve that, you pick up your sword, you run your trinket over to rescue prisoners, blast through that one with four guys, and then go to brute force and solve that one with four guys, usually the using the infamous four-man all-star team, because there are about six people in that deck that have strength of eight, um, and with the sword they're ten. But uh, yeah, that's a deck that I've played competitively and uh, casually for a very long time, and um, I think uh, the listeners who've heard the other podcast will notice that I, or even this one, I think I mentioned I started playtesting 2E uh, around Energize, um, through Call to Arms, and into Necessary Evil. And right away, uh, after the Call to Arms set had come out and we're testing Necessary Evil, I started playtesting uh, the two main cards of that deck, William T. Riker, Exchange Officer, and the Sword of Kalos. And... I tested that built that deck and was like, wow, this is really, really good. You know, with a combination of Riker and at that time, Jadzia was another big uh, person in that deck. You could get around Racial Tension, which was common. Um, and decks really had to be tech to beat Klingons because attributes were king and you had just a you know, handful of stoppers and a handful mm-hmm. of good walls. You really didn't have enough to slow a deck like that down. So I, I started play testing it um, well before... The cards were even legal, and I actually played in the Minnesota Regional that year with a version of Klingons by themselves without the two main cards just to get a feel for where they were and where they were headed. I didn't do nearly as well in that tournament as I'd hoped to, which just proved to me more the power of those two cards and and the combinations of how it all would come together. Um, I brought that deck to Worlds that year, and... Went on a pretty big tear on day one. Um, that day, I was the only person to beat the eventual world champion Andrew Eret, and uh, I kind of put him on tilt because I knew his deck better than he knew mine. I knew his inside and out, and he had really not a lot of experience of what I where I was coming from. But uh, yeah, I mean that was a build that I split hairs over for hours on end leading up to Worlds. Uh, and incidentally, was the last 2E deck I played before I retired. I took a couple of years off. I kept all the cards in the, in the box, deck box. I didn't get rid of my 2E stuff. Um, spent some time with real life. And a couple years later, uh, Matt Freed contacted me and said, Hey, scene needs you. We needed a good TD. We're losing our direction. We're losing players. We need somebody to come back in and kickstart the scene. Mm-hmm. And I brought that deck back out. Because that was the only one I had. I had built and um, played in that event. Played it. Played in an unsanctioned tournament. Ended up winning that unsanctioned tournament. Uh, and I knew at that point that deck still was going to work. You know, obviously, just had to update it for three or four sets. And now we're what? On set 26, 27, and it's it's still just as competitive as it ever been. I mean, at the end of the day, range and attributes are still king. Mm-hmm. And when you can when you can have a one range planet mission and a three range space mission and you can hop between your headquarters and either one of them until they're both solved, and then power bomb your last mission with four guys, it's pretty hard to stop.
0: Um, now has uh, so it's it's obviously one of your one of your more competitive decks and one you've been playing a long time. Have you have you had to make any changes over the years, uh, particularly since uh, since we've started making virtual sets?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, that deck, that deck's probably seen more revisions than there are letters in the alphabet since I started working on it. I mean, and maybe even twice as many changes to the alphabet runs run through it. I mean, I've I've added Bridge Officer Assess, which isn't a huge card for that deck because you have a couple guys who have two leadership. You have William T. Riker who can add an extra leadership. Um, I've actually had times where I play the Promise on commas, which just sounds funny to say. When he's, at, when he's at Rescue Prisoners, to have him learn a second leadership and now here you can kill anybody you want because this one guy solves a mission by himself. Um, and and uh, there are a lot of interrupts that go in and out. There are cards like Genitronic Treatment that's really good, but it's situational. I mean, I've, had, I've won lots of games, uh, uh, particularly online tournaments, where you're trying to staff me, trying to kill all my guys, and you can't because I like, keep saving one guy out of your kills and that just one guy is enough to keep the ship moving. Um, the promises card that always stays in there. That's not a virtual card, but uh, I've looked at conflict. That's another card that I think might be good in there. I haven't really tested it with it yet. I don't know why. Probably because I'm just dumb and haven't realized it's good. Um, and then obviously dilemmas. The, the dilemmas are always rotating around in that deck that are to, to keep up with the current meta, whatever the flavor of the month is that month. Sure. Make sure you can stop it. That would
0: have been my next question, actually. It was uh, does, does Is this a, a deck you can pretty much attach any Dilemma Pile to, or whatever whatever's working for you at the time?
1: Um, I tried it with the Kill Pile at regional season. I um, took the advice of a couple of people and said, why don't you run your Kill Pile that you did well with with your draw deck that you did well with. And surprisingly, I won three games, but I should have lost three of them. I mean, I, honestly, I, my turn report, I think, says I lost a game that I thought I was going to win, and I won three games that I felt like I should have lost. Uh, it didn't seem to work as well with the kill pile, and I've always found, like, to me, the machine of the draw deck, you just need a dilemma pile it's going to slow them down. And I've, I've found the best way to do that is to come up with a fairly standard stopper pile, use a couple of those 40-point dilemma cards. Um, I usually will stick a show trial in there. I don't particularly care for that dilemma, but when... Uh, in previous versions of the build you would get you get stuck on 55 points because you're solving brute force for 45 and if you played an at what cost or whatever so you're almost always under their point total uh-huh. with the 230 pointers even at 60 you're usually underneath their total before you push for your win but um, i've tried to fu- i've tried right now lately to make it almost evenly split between skilled dilemmas and non skilled dilemmas just so i can avoid stuff like Rega and archer and you know Dinatra. or some of that Run-of-the-mill one-man type of stuff that's going to shut down a non-skilled random stop pile.
0: So it's a so it's a well-balanced dilemma pile. Then you know some some of the some of the more uh, more common uh, skill dilemmas and non skill dilemmas and some stoppers and some meta choices and just yep. a little bit of everything.
1: Yep, and I, I mean there there are a couple of uh, spots in there too where I'm using dilemmas that not everybody uses. Outclassed is one that has never left that pile because it seems like it works in 85 to 90 percent of my games maybe that's mm. where i'm playing i like that one <laughs> like well the, the the if you don't have the weapons you're screwed i mean everybody's always they fly there that turn so they're automatically not going to make the range right so yeah, i've and, and i've hit people with dreamer all class and it's won the you know two or three games that i can think of off the top of my head
0: oh yeah that's a good one i mean there's a couple affiliations that just skate right through it but
1: starfleet's not one of them and they're you know they're no the... hi archer congratulations <laughs> you can't that. um that's so that's that's one competitive deck but i i like to think of myself as kind of an inventor and a tinker i uh i like to build and like i said i mentioned earlier i like to play hopefully a new deck every tournament sealed events i'm something that i'm a big fan of i really like limited card pools which i i enjoyed running through the uh the not, the online league where we had to play traditional, we had to play constructed, we had to play virtual.
0: Yeah, I like the challenge of, of limited deck types.
1: Yep. Definitely. My only gripe was that James didn't put a sealed in there, but you know, I can't ask for everything. Well, I can, I just won't get it. Uh, that's
0: why. That's why I gave us exactly. <laughs>
1: that's why I twist your army, you run sealed? That's right. Well, and I. Well, I, you I,
0: know, I I ran a poll for that, but we really only had like a vote here, a vote there. People didn't really seem to be interested in anything and I'm like well maybe the 2E online scene is just not here yet and I'm, and I really liked your idea to go sealed and I'm like all right I'll try this because because we haven't done it online sure and sure enough that got a big that ended up getting a big response so
1: yeah people I, I guess got in that regard people didn't want to tell you what they wanted they wanted you to tell them what they wanted yeah but
0: I've always been—I've always been a, uh, the type of director that I don't want to—I don't want to set up an event that you don't want to play. You know, I want to know what you want, and I will give—I will give you that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I'm a bit selfish in that regard. <laughs> I'll run—I uh, ran all of the different events, event types, to make sure that we got them all for the achievements, the you know virtual player, whatever. Sealed, I think sealed player, all that stuff. ID draft. Oh,
0: variety, variety, is certainly nice too. Yeah. And, and you know, even if even if uh, my group is conditioned to play a lot of constructed, and that's what they like to do, I'm not going to do the same thing every time. I will shake it up every once in a while.
1: Exactly. And so, I mean, to me, I I'm a, a big advocate of playing all the affiliations and playing all the formats to just try to become a better all around player. I mean, to me. Just because XYZ player is really good with XYZ deck that they play all the time, that to me doesn't indicate that you're a great player. That just indicates you're a really great specialist at XYZ deck sure. in XYZ format. I don't necessarily buy into that because I'm, I'm somebody who's trying to become the best all-around player that I can be. I'm not necessarily saying I'm better than anyone else. I'm not... Con, you know looking down on those who play a lot of standard constructed and that's all they do i'm just saying for me personally and for our area variety is for sure the spice of life and we love sealed up here but i think we've played in more of them as an area than a lot of places we've done id draft a couple of times we've had traditional only we've had we went all the way back in time and played premiere only constructed in in november and uh, right now, um, I'm kind of looking at uh, the Iowa guys and their return to Farpoint series and trying to see if there's a spot where I can stick one of those events in our in our area and play. You know, maybe it's set six on down. Maybe it's set four on down. I don't mm-hmm. know what we'll end up playing. But I would just like to get maybe one more event like that in before regionals kick in and everyone's playing their standard builds and out to, you know, out to lunch.
0: Right, right. Um, getting back on... Uh Getting back on standard for a minute, uh, aside from the Klingon deck, um, do you have any other deck types or affiliations that you like to play a little more often?
1: Um, yeah, well, let's start first by what do I not like to play? Ferengi is sure. something that I can't really figure out, um... Voyagers, another affiliation that, thank God, I played them once and I won the tournament, and I'm probably never ever going to play them again. <laughs> I, just, I have a, and if you, if anybody who looks at my deck list, is, you know, listening to this, looks at my deck list, they'll see I'm kind of a nuts and bolts player. It's a lot of personnel and a lot of ships, not a lot of verbs. Uh, you know, maybe a handful of the best verbs that come, I come out for that particular affiliation, but I don't do lots of events, so Voyager's not something I can really get behind. I don't want to have Thirty percent of my draw deck, or even thirty different cards that are verbs, to me, mm-hmm. to me, verbs don't win games. Nouns do. Ships, people, they're the ones who solve your missions. Verbs are nice, but to me, I, I just I can't see the traction to play that many. I know that that's completely different than some of the other metas in the area, and they all do well in their own respects. It's just for me personally, I can't get my head around it. Yeah. Um, as far as what I like to play. Um, I've had some success in the past with uh, TOS, that's an affiliation that I've played pretty much completely the opposite of what Riker Sword is. There are a lot of little guys uh, doing really low attribute missions as opposed to people who are playing for discounts and doing bigger attribute missions, um, people who cost more, in uh, Kill Pile with a standard pile. I mean, the, those two decks, when you set them next to each other, I, I love to joke to, uh, to Matt, I said, which do you want today? Do you want the knife or the banana? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well... One of them's going to get crammed up your bong. Which one do you want? <laughs> That's kind of a horrible <laughs> joke, but because they're completely opposite decks to me. The TOS deck with the kill pile versus the Riker Sword one with the, uh, with the standard pile. Um, those are two decks that I played a, a fair amount up here. But I've also had a lot of fun experimenting with Terok Nor. I mean, they're an affiliation that literally feels like they're the bastard child of 2E. Nobody pays attention to them. Nobody wants to play them. And,
0: oh, they're fun, and
1: they're really good. First of all, they're terrific for new players because you can print the whole thing, all of their. That's
0: yeah. That's what I started with. Like my my first uh, my first two events were ruling council decks.
1: And I'm sure you did really well. I mean, it's it's insane how powerful that is. I mean, I get that they're a one trick pony, with the one you know one interrupt based thing. And a lot of people try to sell hand weapons at Corsari and deliver prisoners. It seems like those are your two missions, but. If It works. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with it? You know, I, I don't. I don't understand it. I, I've tried it once with a kill pile that worked well. I've played it a couple of times in uh, some limited formats. I've I've a fair amount of success with that affiliation, just because it seems like it's out of left field. Or I pick it for the right format that I'm playing in, whether it be like academy or slipstream. Slipstream, they're insane in. Um, but yeah. uh, th- 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 so so you got th- those are two other affiliations that I play a fair amount. Um, Romulan's another one I don't really get my head around. Maquis, I don't own a lot of the cards to play Maquis. Uh, I just, th- th- to me, Maquis is a rich man's affiliation. Everything good is in Reflections or in Genesis. And if you don't have a lot sure. of those cards, you don't get to play it. Thankfully, with the selling for Time errata, we're going to put that card in some more players' hands, and hopefully that affiliation will see a little bit more play. You know Whether that causes more angst in the community, I don't know. A lot of people don't like playing against that affiliation. But that's another one that I'm not too great with, but um, I feel like I can do okay with Cardassian. I can do okay with Borg. I've played some assimilators in the past. Played some affi- just straight solvers with Borg, and uh, you know, for the most part, it's just like I said, variety of spice to life. I love to play exclusively anything or I- inclusively. I'll pick pick a deck. You know, give me an affiliation, tell me to to play it, and it'll be a good challenge to try to play.
0: Maybe that maybe that's something we can do. Uh... Uh, a little down the road there was a one a e tournament uh, last summer where uh, they they randomly assigned affiliations or, or they didn't randomly assign they, they went by rating like whoever had the lowest rating got first sure. choice and uh, but uh, yeah but a number of affiliations were were assigned and so you were you were pigeonholed in to build this deck and uh I don't know, maybe we can try something like that for two Yeah, weeks. that'd be
1: kinda cool. Even if Not it were
0: even if it line. weren't
1: done that way, even you should do an affiliation lottery. I mean put them all in there and yeah. if I get stuck with Ferengi, then come on folks, pin me and pay me. You're all gonna beat the crap out of me because I don't know how to put that affiliation.
0: <laughs> something that's yeah, something I
1: think about. I would down totally there. do it too. That'd be fun. Maybe
0: maybe we'll maybe we'll make that the next two week, yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay, so um now, as, as you know, and I, I make a point of telling people whenever we get into uh, discussions about 2nd edition, that I am not as experienced uh, with 2e as I am with 1e. Um, 1e, I've, you know, I've been back in, I've been on Trek CC and with the community for about a year and a half, but I've been playing 1e since, on and off, since the beginning of the game. Tui, I have not had that experience. I did not play it when it started, so I've only been playing the last the last few months or so. So I'm still very much learning the game, and my playgroup is is still learning the game. Um, as someone who has been playing uh, since since the the very beginning of the game, uh, what kind of advice can you give for for newer newer players uh, starting out?
1: Well. The the first thing that I think a lot of people get caught up in as a new player is star power. I think they look at their cards and they're, you know, really excited to play with Jean Luc Picard or whoever their favorite captain is. Maybe it's Janeway, um, but they don't necessarily fit their deck. Uh, for me, I could play the game without any card images. I know Johnny doesn't want to hear that because he's our art guy and he does a terrific job. But for me, it's all about what's what's on the card below that picture. Uh, the skills, the stats. What stat am I focusing on with my deck? More often than not, I try to pick a a deck that um, is going to do all of one specific attribute, whether it's cunning uh, Mm -hmm. or strength. And every once in a while, you'll, you'll throw in that integrity deck, which seems rare. It seems like there should be more integrity decks floating around the community than there really are. But so once i figure out which attribute i want to do and usually that's based on which affiliation you're playing what's their best stat what what is that if it's klingons it's probably going to be strength breaker sword as we mentioned earlier is is a hybrid that does integrity and strength which is kind of weird i don't know why it came out that way it just does and why it works it just does um but if you're playing dominion maybe you want to play gemidar maybe you want to run a bunch of you know strength missions there uh the 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 actual uh, punch list that I have in it—it's funny that I, I literally have one. I have a post-it note that sits at my desk at work, and it's got all the things that I look for in a deck in order to determine if I consider that deck a contender or a pretender. And on that list, I just—you uh, know—off the top of my head, I want to have a—I want to have a cheap ship. I want to have—I uh, want to have good range on my missions. I want to have some unstopping power. I want to have some stuff. Unkillings- Power. I want to be able to draw cards. I want to, um, you know, have some event destruction, inter- interrupt prevention, in case I hit a bind where I need to do one of those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, your deck will will fall into a lot of those categories. You might have one that you're not good at or don't have any, but you're really good in another area, and those are things that can kind of be worked around in the build. Um, We've touched on it earlier, range is key, and I don't think that new players pick up on that, but when you fly out to your space mission, are you going to be stuck there for two turns, or are you going to be able to fly home and then go to another mission, or fly home and then go back to that mission? That's why two range space missions are few and far between, but if you can use one, it's a terrific choice. or, like in, uh, again, not to keep going back to right sword, but I have the three range space and a one range planet, so I can jump back and forth. I have to, you know, that stop in between at the headquarters and back out to whichever one I wasn't at that turn. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of goes against the grain. A lot of people don't play that way. They do the fly out, and I'm going to, you know, ABC. I'm going to do this mission, then this mission, then this mission. My advice and, to new players is to try to do that. Don't necessarily do ABC. Maybe you do BCD. Maybe mm-hmm. however it comes out. Um,
0: And in that respect, uh, looking at things like regions could be important and anywhere where you can uh, cut span off something.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, if I recall correctly, you had some success with that Starfleet deck that has the Delphic Expanse region. I mean, range is terrible for Starfleet, but now you have a mobile headquarters and you have a regionalized mission. Suddenly that becomes a much more interesting deck. You can play people right to the ship or you can Samuels barf them over to your headquarters, however you need to get them into play. Mm Mm-hmm. But you also don't have that problem, with that minus range in, in that region. Um, and the number one thing I tell people, uh, and I, I beat this drum all the time, is skill matrix. I try to build a deck where I only have six different skills needed to solve all of my missions. I mean, if you can find one that's four skills, five skills, you're a genius and I'm not. Because I usually end up, at, I land at six, seven, sometimes um, depending on what the bonus is for that mission, you know, maybe it's a really good mission that lets you take a dilemma back, or maybe it lets you do download a person at the start of your turn. You know, some of those other really cool gimmicks, maybe you go to eight, but usually it's around six to seven different skills for that mission. Mm-hmm. And if it's even better if the, if the skills that are required for that mission, if only one or two of those skills are going to get hit by your most common filter dilemmas, personal duty, issue of trust, and picking up the pieces. A lot of people forget about picking up pieces and because a lot of, a lot of the astro engineer builds have tons of programming. Well, I can stop a bunch of them with that one dilemma. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's another one you need to be aware of. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's, it's all about primarily low cost ships, a good range set, whether that's missions with regions, regionalized missions or not. And, um, and that's that skill matrix. If I if I can't build a good skill matrix around one attribute, hopefully one, it, sometimes you have to throw a second attribute in there. But if you can't get it with six, seven skills, um, it's going to be hard to solve missions. I mean, I, there are countless games that I've seen people lose in my history or that I've lost where skill matrix is too spread out and uh, you randomly stopped or randomly hard-timed or whatever. The one guy who was... XYZ skill for that mission. Now I, I can't solve. I have all the attributes, but I can't solve. the the, the skill redundancy in the missions. The sixth six set leads to skill redundancy in the draw deck, I should say. Sure. Now you have eight of a mission skill or ten of a mission skill in your deck. It's gonna be really hard to stop. You know, even with an oracle's punishment, they're gonna be really hard for them to stop your uh, attempt because you have three, four guys in the attempt that need have all your skills.
0: Yeah, that's that's important if you're attempting with, uh, say, seven or eight people, and it, it's it's nice to have that redundancy where like you could get any two random stops and still be able to solve.
1: Yep, usually usually I have that happen. I mean, there there are some decks where it's easier to do in others, and as you can imagine, in seal deck, it's a total crapshoot because then oh you yeah. hope, hope you have your mission skills out in play or in your deck.
0: Yeah, and you don't know what dilemmas to expect either. You exactly. could it could be anything.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so that that's kind of the advice I would give. Um, I I think it all kind of leads off of that. And like I said, star power. You got to kind of set that aside if you want to move up in the ranks. And you know, instead of playing on the bottom table, maybe you're playing in the middle of the pack, or you know, mm-hmm. maybe you have a great day and you're playing at the top table, and you're playing. You know, somebody who's been playing forever, and you're 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 the upstart rookie who's going to take them down. You know, I love that. But, I'll uh, tell.
0: I will say, um, mentioning a couple of points that you made, um, actually, um, getting on your, your, your star power comment, the one of the things that kept me away from 2E for a long time uh, was the fact that 2E is not a flavor game. 1E is a flavor game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 2E is really not. It's a mechanic-driven game.
1: Sure.
0: Um. You know, and 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 I I realized it was something I wasn't really going to get a feel for until I actually sat down and tried it. You know, un- just looking at the cards, I I I couldn't get into it till I actually sat down and played a game. And sure. and you know, and there are there are things I still prefer, I still prefer one e as a as a flavor game, and um, there are things I like about two e too. One thing I like about two e is that personnel can have abilities.
1: Yep um Mm
0: -hmm. you talked about certain things you need in your deck like you need to have ways to get through this and ways to get through this and ways to get through this you can do that with people with with some of your with depending on affiliation depending on what people you run you can have a deck that's all people and or mostly people in ships and not be too worried
1: exactly i mean tos is a terrific example of that where almost everybody that they have has those does
0: something yeah or can do something
1: but, you know, I can't even count on one hand the number of times where I've had a talk with, uh, you know, one of our former world champions, and it keeps coming back to personnel-based abilities. You know, I don't care that you have three grab traps in your hand and three equipment cards out, because I'm going to blow your event up with Sloan. I'm going to blow your event up mm-hmm. with Front. I'm going to, you know, wh- wh- whatever it is. I'm going to hit you with a personnel-based ability that you can't counter. Yeah. So yeah, you're right on there. And uh, as far as as far as Winnie goes, I too, do totally get that. Uh, my joke all uh, for quite a long time has been that first edition is the game where the inmates get to run the asylum because you just get to do whatever you want to do, pretty much. I mean, I'm I'm coming from my background of playing open. When I when I played onee uh, in its there yeah. there's no such thing as OTF. Yeah, we tried to put training wheels back on the bike, even though it was you know torpedoing down the tracks and the ban lists and all those other things. But yeah. Uh, in the first edition, if you want to blow up an outpost on your second turn, there's really nothing <laughs> that <to> stop you. <laughs> yeah, and with that,
0: yeah, and with 1E, that is something I I try to push on on new players is the straight variety. You can do anything you want. If it happens in the series, you can probably do it in the game. If you want to be the Borg, great. If you want to go back in time and stop first contact, you can do that. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to play, if you want to annoy, annoy somebody uh, with tribbles, you can do that too. You know.
1: Sure. Exactly. And I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bad mouth one, but it's like I said, I feel like I would need a doctorate degree to try to go back into that, uh, game now. And if you're, if you're telling me the block I can handle, maybe I'll have to jump into that. That might have to be the next thing that, uh, Alabama Nate twists my arm into doing,
0: you know, that's what I, that was what I, I started my, my play group on block because it seemed the simplest deck type. And, and we started right when, right when block started. So, um, it's not for everybody and I know people are, are not happy with the variety yet, but you know although it, it is something they're working on. Um, but if you're trying to revisit 1E, if you want to see where the game is at now, that's a good place to start. And it is, it is a, any deck that runs continuing mission and, and, and is a block style deck is very straightforward. It's, it's, doesn't take a lot of uh, it doesn't take a steep learning curve.
1: Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's comforting. If I if I come back and yell at you in six months, I haven't tried it and still don't understand it. I'm, <laughs> Should- I'm writing this down. I'm writing. This. Dan says I can play this.
0: Just watch out for Ferengi battle decks.
1: <laughs> oh, God. That just seems wrong. Like I that, know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I used to turn them into marmalade for decades when I back when I played. <laughs> I the think. Half I'm sure my- they, I'm sure Ken's listening to this, like shaking his fist. But yes, yeah. half of
0: my card backers are rules of acquisition cards. I mean, come exactly.
1: On. <laughs> I, I never played Ferengi in first edition either. I, I, uh, I'll tip of the cap to a Minnesota player. He calls them the the Troll Nuggets, and that's kind of how I see them. I've I've always seen them as just this annoying little short guy syndrome faction.
0: Yeah, but yeah, in 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 block they're a star Uh, i don't know
1: i i believe it anything's possible in first edition
0: (laughs) uh i don't know i guess uh i want to see what the next set brings and see if that uh maybe they can balance the affiliations out a little better the the block style affiliations because i'd like to see i'd like to see some of the other you know klingons are klingons are strong in block they've always been They've they've always been a strong deck type, but Federation's just not getting it done, and they should. Sure, it, it, it's weird seeing Federation not being the dominant deck. Actually, sure, it, it just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem right to me. But
1: and, well, especially in a TNG block, you'd think the TNG would be you know one of the better groups. I would assume so, just as an outsider looking in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you know that that's part of the limitation of, of of running a block style deck. That if you're running continuing mission, you have to only use next generation cards. You can only use TNG property logo. So okay, it does uh, it does limit your your options some. And I guess in with with Federation, it's a little more limiting than than uh, Ferengi. But the Ferengi are just there's so much they can do. Uh, in the early game, to put some ships down and get some battles going, and and their their deck just cranks. So.
1: <laughs> well, isn't the next block a Deep Space Nine?
0: The next block is Deep Space Nine. Yeah, we've got one more set coming before that.
1: Well, let me know when that comes back around because Blood Oath was my favorite faction. That's what I played in first edition a lot. I played the Klingon Blood Oath group, and my old decks would used to we used to. <laughs> put all of those bloodless ships inside a Kazon warship and then fly around with this, you know, orbital, this massive weapons array that you'd poop out all the little ships and blow up everything. So let me know when that comes back around, you'll probably get me to back playing that. It'll be just like old home week.
0: There you go. I am really excited to see what a deep space nine block deck would look like. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Plus if you're if you play strictly block by that point you'll have tng decks versus ds9 decks and you oh know, sure that'll that'll yeah. be cool that'll be there'll be a, a little more variety in 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 block format by that point so yeah yeah that sounds good uh all right well we've uh we've talked about a lot i think we're i think we've pretty much covered things so uh chris uh thanks a lot for coming on to the show
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: and uh looking forward to seeing you uh online and in more events so
1: yeah i imagine uh if anybody hasn't played me yet online um they're probably not playing enough tournaments i'm playing it seems like a lot of two events and obviously they all have the option to come up here and play with our good group of players here in minnesota we got plenty of folks who would be happy to put you up or uh you know pick you up and take you to the airport which i've done before so uh yeah i hope to catch up with more people and uh you know play some new people in the coming months
0: well uh, as they say, the sky's the limit.
1: <laughs> exactly. Especially with online play. It seems like that's the case.
0: Definitely. All right, Chris. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. All right.
0: Chris Sounds To Be for his time today and thanks also to Hot Fiction for their theme music. Special thanks to Corbin Johnson, Allison Cagle, and Thomas Kimura. Uh, let me know who you want to hear on the show and don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at coyote We'll be back soon with another episode but for now this is Daniel Madison ending transmission. will see through
1: Star Trek is in all forms
0: trend. is copyright and trademark of CBS Paramount Studios, which has no affiliation with this podcast or trekcc.org. This podcast is for nonprofit use only. Special thanks to Hot Fiction for their theme song started off, as well as additional music used during the show. Look them up at hotfiction.co.uk. Thanks also to Corbin Johnson for production assistance. For questions or comments, send a message to OK Coyote on the TrekCC forums. Until next time, this is Allison Cable signing off for Assimilate This.